And you're listening to the Bright Spot Hour, a gospel preaching broadcast, and we appreciate the opportunity to be in your home or automobile or place of business today. I'm your radio preacher, Ben Carper, Bonnie Magaha at the beautiful organ, Naomi Kelly at the piano. Thank you so much for making this broadcast a part of your day. Now I hope that you'll have an opportunity to enjoy the program, the music, and then the preaching of the Word of God in just a few moments. To begin the Bright Spot Hour at the beautiful Hammond organ, Bonnie will play for us Beulah Land. the will of God for every born-again believer to dwell in Beulah land, a land of victory and a land of power and authority in one's life. And I urge upon you, if you have allowed this world and the things of the flesh to defeat you and to battle you, why not march over into Beulah land? Allow the Lord Jesus Christ to work in your life and to grow you and develop you in the areas of the grace of God. This brings us to prayer time. If you have the opportunity, why not pray? along with us. Our Father, we thank Thee for the opportunity that is ours to bow in Thy presence. We thank Thee for the goodness of God in the land of the living. We thank Thee that Thou hast redeemed our soul. We thank Thee, Father, that we have been birthed into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. And I ask of Thee, Lord, for those that are hearing the program today, may the smile of God's approval be upon them. Some of them may well be defeated, battling the world, the flesh, and the devil the opposition of Satan. I ask of thee, Lord, that you'd build them up in the faith, encourage their heart as they read the Bible, fortify them through the preaching of the Word of God. And I ask of thee, Lord, that you would develop us all 
into better Christians and better believers. Lord, we don't want to stay where we are. We want to move on into Beulah land. We want to enjoy victory in our life, great victory and overcoming grace. And I ask of thee, Lord, you'd help us to be yielded in such a way that the Lord Jesus Christ might receive glory through our life and our mind and our conduct and all that is accomplished. And for what you do for us, we'll be careful to praise thee. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that many of you will move on over into Beulah land and try to walk with Christ. You know, the sweetest song is the song of the Lord Jesus Christ, the song that he has placed within the heart and soul of every born-again believer. And in my estimation, those who are outside the grace of God do not know what great song is at all. Now, Naomi Kelly to play the sweetest song I know. Always a joy to have the late Bonnie McGaha and also Naomi Kelly with us on the Bright Spot Hour. I appreciate their wonderful and unusual style, easily identified whenever they begin to play. And I'm sincerely grateful to have them with us on the broadcast this week. Today is the Sabbath day. We always enjoy the recorded voice of my late grandfather on every Sabbath broadcast, and today is no exception. We continue our study in 2 Corinthians, verse by verse and line by line. Be sure not to touch your radio dial, and we'll enjoy my late grandfather in just a few moments. Tomorrow is the Lord's Day that gives all of us the blessed privilege and the opportunity of gathering together into the Lord's house and worshiping one with the other around the good things of the Lord. Tomorrow is Palm Sunday, and then a week from tomorrow, eight days from now, will be Easter. And uh, my goodness, how 
how quickly time catches up with us. The uh, March the 31st will be Easter. We always have our big Easter presentation at Rock Springs Baptist Church with the choir and the orchestra. And we've been working very diligently in recent days uh, as the choir, some 250 voices and our orchestra, about 80 pieces in the orchestra trying to get ready. And that presentation will be next Sunday night, next Sunday night at six o'clock. I hope that many of our churches in the area will bring your services over to meet with us and have a part. We'd like to pack the building out. We can seat about 3,000 and we'd like to pack the building out and have fellow churches, Baptist churches coming in to be a part of our Easter presentation that is next Sunday at Rock Springs Baptist Church. Tomorrow, regular services, uh, morning preaching at 9.30 and 11, and 6 p.m. Sunday school at 8 o'clock. And uh, Dr. David Gallimore will be in the pulpit, our pastor, for more than 40 years. The church is located at 201 Rock Springs Road in Easley, South Carolina. We invite you to come be a part of our services on tomorrow. The Bright Spot Hour is a work of faith and a labor of love, depending upon the Lord and our many friends to enable the door of radio broadcasting to remain open. I make that statement day by day because it is in reality a statement of fact. We depend upon the Lord. We depend upon God's people to enable this door to remain open. During the month of March, I've been making available my grandfather's sermon number 52, on the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon. Allow me the joy of putting this good sermon into your home. I'm positive it can be a benefit and a blessing to you, and you can have yours for a gift of $10 on a compact disc. I also make available my grandfather's sermon, Can God? This message delivered in 1973 on a Sunday night in May of 1973. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness. I'll be glad to send the sermon to you on a compact disc. You can have yours for a gift of $10. I make available my grandfather's commentary on First and Second Corinthians, a 303-page uh, commentary, beautiful book, uh, handy a size, handy to hold, and uh, well-written, and I think that you would enjoy reading it. My grandfather deals with every verse and every chapter in both 1st and 2nd Corinthians. You may have yours for $20. Our mailing address, the Bright Spot Hour, Post Office Box Number 4, Greenville, South Carolina, 29602. Our email, yahoo.com. Find us on social media at Rumble, Getter, Odyssey, YouTube, Facebook, and X. Now we continue on with my late grandfather in 2 Corinthians, and now we have made it to the great 2 Corinthians chapter 13, a wonderful and tremendous passage in Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. I give to you my late grandfather, Dr. Harold B. Seitler. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 1. 
This is the third time I am coming to you. Now we noticed in chapter number 12 that Paul said, when I come again. Then in verse 20, when I come. Now I, I take it from that that he fully expected to make another visit to the church at Corinth. Paul founded the church. He preached the gospel in the city of Corinth and founded the church, leaving the church behind and now writes the first epistle and then now the second epistle and the second Corinthian epistle is, is written more or less to establish his own apostleship as apostle number 12 the filled place of Judas who lost his bishop trick now he says I, the, I this is the third time that I'm coming to you I think this refers to his uh, visit more than uh, the idea of another epistle. Now, I've heard it suggested by some uh, theologians that uh, Paul meant by that, that actually I'm writing another book and that we ought really to have in our Bible 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and 3 Corinthians and that the 13th chapter could well be uh, 3 Corinthians or from verse 14 of chapter number 12, 3 Corinthians. But I don't buy that. I think Paul is talking about a personal visit to the city of Corinth. In fact, we're, we're practically sure that that's what he's talking about in verses 19, 20, and 21 of chapter number 12. Not a letter, not an epistle, but a literal personal visit again. Paul has an ambition for to the city and to the church at Corinth, and he's longing for that day when he can come again to the Corinthians in a very definite way. Now, another sentence in verse number 13, the thought changes and continues, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. All the truth of God about me uh, shall become established. I think verse number one has a reference to Paul's enemies who constantly sought to destroy his leadership and destroy his apostleship. And evidently Paul had some very vicious enemies in his day uh, who were thoroughly convinced that Paul was not to be uh, the twelfth apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they went out of their way to destroy the testimony of Paul and to deny Paul the apostleship that we believe that God foreordained from the foundation of the world. But in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word that I might have ever said, every deed that I might have ever done, every charge that might have ever been laid against me is to be established. Paul is warning the Corinthian Christian that they're not to believe every report. They're not to accept every word that might come, but rather only the report and only the word that could be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Now, uh, whatever Paul may mean in verse number one of chapter 13, the application for our day is very clear. I think Paul is talking basically about the establishing of his own ministry and his own apostleship. But in our day, you and I would be wise likewise uh, to accept no criticism, to accept no tale that might be told, or accept no gossip that you might hear, except it be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Now, if a story or if a gossip or if tales that people tear and tale and tales that people bear around cannot be established, then you're naive and foolish to believe them. And yet we have people in every church congregation that are instant to believe any kind of gossip they hear, especially that uh, gossip is against some deacon or some Sunday school teacher or in, uh, in a particular way, if that gossip be against the pastor, they're very instant to believe any gossip that they might hear. Well, my friend, that's a foolish attitude and a foolish thing for you to become guilty of.
Every word, every deed ought to become established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And I made it a policy in my ministry down through the years uh, to believe nothing I hear except it become established. And if you cannot prove something to me, don't bring any gossip to me. Now, if something needs to be straightened out, and you bring, bring that to me, and then bring two or three witnesses with you to establish your uh, story, then I'll hear that, and I'll do something about it as pastor and leader in the congregation. But just to give a story, or just to act upon uh, some gossip that somebody may bring to me, or some report that may come to my ears, I found to be a very foolish, a very unwise thing for a pastor to do, or for a deacon, or anybody else in the church, for that matter, to do. And you are naive. You're simple to believe the gossip that you might hear against anybody. And so let's uh, adopt the philosophy of Paul in verse number one and uh, have every gossip, every fact, every tale that you might hear become established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And if it cannot be established, then don't accept it. Just don't believe it until it can be proven not by one witness, but in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word uh, to be established. Verse two, I told you before and foretell you now if I were present the second time, and being absent now, I write to them which uh, uh, heretofore have sinned, and to all others, that if I come again, I will not spare. Now note he says, I now write to them which heretofore have sinned. Now to me, this is a reference to the uh, sin that Paul had to deal with uh, in the first Corinthian epistle. It was the sin of fornication, the sin of incest, the sin of immorality. And Paul suggests uh, uh, remotely in verse number 21 of the last chapter, number 12, that may be, and he says, I fear that when I come, I will find that some have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. And Paul had a fear and a dread within his heart that he would find again the same pattern of immorality and lasciviousness that he found that prompted him to expose it and denounce it in the first Corinthian epistle. And so he says, being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned. I warn them and all others I warn that if I come again, I will not spare, which was Paul's way of saying, I'm not going to put up with that kind of conduct in the church at Corinth. Now he sternly rebuked it in the first epistle and he talks about coming again for a second visit uh, to the Corinthian people that they might enjoy a second benefit as a result of his ministry. And he, he alludes to that desire of coming the second time, verse number two in chapter 13. And when I come and if I come, if God allows me to come over and over again, Paul taught us to say, the Lord will, I will do thus and thus. And that's a good thing for any believer uh, to say and a good attitude for any of us to assume we're not our own we belong to him and we can do only as God allows and God permits us to do and Paul is saying if I'm permitted to come if God allows me to come and I find this kind of uh, fornication and uncleanliness and lasciviousness among you I will not spare I'm going to denounce it. I'm going to expose it. I'm going to identify it. And I'm going to judge it. I will not condone it. I will not allow that to go on in the local church. Now may I say to every pastor, and I'm a pastor and have been now for many, many long years, this is the attitude that we ought to assume. No pastor has a right to cover up sin. 
when he knows that a sin is going on within the camp, he has no right to cover it up. Now, I'm not, to, I'm not saying that you're to launder your dirty clothing on a public line and hang that clothing on a public line. I'm not saying that you're to uh, bring everything to the surface and, and speak freely from the pulpit about every dirty thing that people may be guilty of within your congregation. But I am saying that within the circle of the leadership of your church, if you have a man or a woman who are practicing sin, living in sin, then that person ought to be dealt with. That person ought to be brought in. That person ought to be confronted by the deacons. And that person ought to be instructed as to what they must do if they are to maintain their places of leadership. No pastor is to condone a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or a choir member or a choir director or an usher or anybody else in a position of leadership who may be practicing very deliberate sin within his life at that given time. And Paul said, I'm not going to have it. I'll spare not. I will judge it. And he's given us a good word of exhortation to every pastor under the sound of my voice today. The tragedy in multitudes of churches is that sin oftentimes is freely committed. And when leaders live that kind of life, then the glory of God is departed from that place. And God cannot be pleased with such a church organization. Now verse 3. Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, now verse 3 very evidently is a mention on the part of the apostle again of his apostleship. There were some who did doubt and who did question the apostleship of Paul. Uh, maybe many of those were uh, the uh, champions of uh, of uh, Matthias. They championed Matthias's cause, and they thought that Matthias, since he was selected by the eleven, ought to fill the place with the twelve, uh, the place of Judas Iscariot. But in the economy of God, it was not so. Paul, an apostle, by the will of God, verse 1 of the Second Corinthian epistle. And I believe that. I accept that. I believe the Holy Spirit led Paul to write that a testimonial according to the will of God. Now, the Corinthians, like others, no doubt, in Macedonia, uh, sought a proof uh, that God was speaking in Paul and through Paul, and that indeed he is the apostle uh, number 12 among the 12 apostles of Christ. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which uh, to you would is not weak, but is mighty to you, but is mighty. Uh, that testimony has to do with the preaching of Paul to the Corinthians in the first journey when the church was established. And the very evident, uh, the very fact that the church is evidently set up ought to be evidence of the apostleship of the apostle and that God indeed and Christ indeed was speaking through and in Paul and the very fact that you are are saved and that the word that I delivered to you the gospel that I delivered to you was mighty in you it was not weak but it was mighty in that it accomplished the purpose of God and the will of God and the plan of God in the salvation of these Corinthian people having heard the word of God. They were converted and saved by the preaching of the gospel. Now that within itself is a proof of Christ speaking in me, said Paul. For though he was crucified through weakness, Jesus died obediently, obediently unto death, and then obedient to Pilate, obedient to the uh, centurion guard. So far as we know, our Lord offered no resistance to the hundred Roman soldiers into whose hands he was committed by Pilate for the execution. Uh, he died uh, evidently 
in weakness. Had he, had he been strong, had he been rebellious, he would have fought back. He would have resisted the inevitable <coughs> uh, crucifixion upon Calvary. We trust today's message by Dr. Ben Carper on the Bright Spot Hour has been a blessing to you. Write the Bright Spot Hour at Post Office Box 4, Greenville, South Carolina, 29602. Visit the website at thebrightspothour.com. This is Mark Ferguson saying listen again tomorrow for the Bright Spot Hour. Same time, same station, same gospel. And when I get through heaven, I know he will welcome me. A good time, a wonderful time, a good time. Children all get together, we'll have a wonderful time.